Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show is now available in 1080p, 4K, HD, surround sound, digital, and smell-o-vision. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on whatever day of the week we happen to put this one up on the interwebs. Uh, More on that in just a minute. In tonight's show, in Pipe Parts, we're going to talk about, uh, going back to a listener question, and why start with bent pipes. And uh, my guest is uh, the maker of J.L. Thompson Pipes. We'll talk to we'll talk to Jason. Music, mailbag, and you know it's time to have a time to have a rave. So we'll have a rave. All that at the end of the show. And remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. All right. So here's what happened, really. Uh, Kevin and I are working on a uh, kind of a, an end of the five year show, and we're still going to do that one. So that'll hopefully be next week. And uh, with the hurricane coming, uh, Kevin decided to evacuate St. Petersburg, Florida, which was, you know, ground zero target, going to be nasty. Uh, anyway, he evacuated, got out fine, and then uh, when Monday came around, <laughs> the storm moved up to where he was, up in Asheville, North Carolina, and they lost power there. So, <laughs> rule number one, if Kevin evacuates to that place, don't go there. Rule number two, well, he still had power at home, and that's why uh, when he finally got home, we were able to post this show up there. Um no harm, no foul to anybody. Just we're getting, uh, I think, for the fourth time, third time in the history of the show, we've had to delay it because of issues. So I think that's pretty good. Um, anyway, those of you that are uh, still dealing with the aftermath of Harvey and Irma, we uh, wish you well. You're in our thoughts and uh, hopes and prayers for you. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. All right, so pipe parts. Uh, So here's what uh, Brad, better known as Lord of the Pipe Rings or uh, Hawkter the Love Doctor, wrote to me, the pipe doctor. Uh, He says, sorry it's so late. Uh, Listening to the newest episode... Got got to thinking, maybe a pipe parts on why we typically start with bents and then transition to straights. I can't really explain it, but it seems a common occurrence. Well, here's why it seems a common occurrence is because most pipe shops or most uh, most retailers, when you walk into them, uh, especially you know, when brick and mortar was a was a really big thing. Uh, you'd walk in there and you'd say, I'm new at smoking a pipe, and the tobacconist would always suggest to start you off with a bent pipe. Now, why a bent pipe? Well, for one, the bend in the shank slash stem 
helps keep the moisture from coming up the pipe. So if you don't know how to pack a pipe yet or you haven't mastered how you like to smoke a pipe and you're getting moisture in there, that bend just keeps the moisture down in there and stops it from coming up at you. Um, that's, that's the primary reason. The, uh, the secondary reason, I think, is that, uh, is that a bent pipe is a little more comfortable to manage. It's a little easier to handle and to, uh, you know, to hold and to smoke than a straight pipe. Um, it, the weight of it is a little lighter on your, on your teeth if you're a clencher because of the angle of it. So it, it's a comfort thing. And because it's got a bend in it, it's a little bit longer draft hold than if that pipe were exactly dead on straight. Uh, that little extra length in the draft hole helps keep the, uh, keep the smoke a little bit cooler, maybe a little more flavorful. Um, as opposed to a straight pipe where, you know, you're holding that pipe straight out in front of you and you've got, you know, when you're clenching it, you got to balance it well. Uh, it just becomes a little more, uh, a little more awkward to deal with at the start. Um, also, I think most of the uh, most of the pipe accessories, the uh, pipe rests and so on, are meant for bent pipes. Um, I think most people, well, I know for a fact that more bent pipes are sold than straight pipes all around the world. It's just a it's just a fact of it's a fact of raw sales data that more people smoke a bent pipe than smoke a straight pipe. Uh, what, what really interested me is, uh, he says again, uh, typically start with bents and then transition to straights. Why do we, that might be more, uh, a little more in tune. I mean, especially if you listen to, uh, if you listen to shows like this about pipes and you're on forums about pipes and pipe tobacco and stuff like that, you might be a little bit more in tune or a little bit more, uh, uh, well versed in it, but why do we transition to straight pipes? Uh, I think for me, I transitioned to straight pipes because of two things. One, if the pipe is too bent, I can't see it when it's in my mouth. It's out of my field of vision, so I kind of lose track of it. Uh, and two, I like to use pipe cleaners and Using a pipe cleaner while you're smoking and navigating straight up the stem on a straight pipe is much easier than on a bent pipe. Uh, and remember, you go back 20 years ago, and being able to pass a pipe cleaner up a bent pipe, that wasn't a big deal. That was, you know, whatever. You didn't need to, nobody ever thought about doing that. If the pipe got dirty while you were smoking it, I've seen several times with people pull the stem out, blow the moisture out, and... Yeah, you know, just disgusting stuff. But uh, again, having a bent pipe take a pipe cleaner all the way to the bottom 20 years ago, that was not a mandatory requirement of a uh, of a bent pipe. Um, I think when you look at bent pipes, you look at the uh, you, you look at the visions of Sherlock Holmes and maybe some of the Lord of the Rings and uh, and. You know, the, those long swooping church wardens and of course Sherlock Holmes with the uh, Gord Calabash which was just used for effect on TV but that effect on TV really brought it to prominence 
that bent pipe look. You know, Sherlock Holmes himself really smoked a smaller bent pipe, but uh, that bent pipe look started to appeal to people. Uh, you go back into the 50s, uh, you got some people that only smoke straight pipes, like Bing Crosby. Uh, you look around in the, the 20s and 30s of all the old pictures, it's a straight pipe, and mostly because that's an easier shape to make, and there's uh, less damage and less work. I mean, it's extra effort for the factories and the pipe makers to make the bend in the stem and to make a block of wood that will take it, that will be a bent shape. That's a little extra work. Uh, but I think going back to his original question again, uh, we start off with bents because they're a little more forgiving. They're a little easier on the moisture level. They're a little less. Uh, uh, they're they're a little more tolerant of abuse than a traditional straight pipe is. I would uh, love to hear your comments. Uh, be interesting if you have maybe uh, maybe if you've got a match set of bent and a straight that are identical manufacturers, identical times. See if they smoke differently. Try them out. Test them side by side. Uh, see if you get a different experience from it. See if it's just well. Tell me what your thoughts are. Anyway, uh, there you go. All right, in just a minute, pipe maker J.L. Thompson. This is Internet Radio. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and, uh, you know, we kind of punted, so... Uh, but you, I, I don't want you to think that you were a second choice. You were on the list of people to have on the show because, well, we'll talk about that really cool little uh, bent cherry poker thing that it, that I saw at Columbus. But we'll talk about that. Uh, but please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, pipe maker J.L. Thompson. Welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks. All right, so let's first start off with why why your first initials? Um, I guess I don't think I have a super interesting name. My first name is Jason. <laughs> Middle name is Lee. Um, partly going to put something before the Thompson Pipes because there have been Thompson Pipes made, uh, factory pipes and everything, and I didn't want to get what I did confused with them partially. So, <laughs> But Jason... Jason Thompson pipes is just too much of a mouthful, and it, it honestly it wouldn't fit on the stamp. <laughs> you'd have to make uh, you'd have to make seven inch Canadians only. Yeah, and it's kind of a, a niche market there. So, <laughs> well, as, at least your name's not some weird name, and you're deciding to cover it up. No, just normal. Okay. So. 
All right, so let let's get to know you now that we know the history of the uh, of the J. L. Thompson Pipes name. Uh, Where did you grow up? What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, well, I grew up. I'm from Maryland, born and raised. Um, I actually can trace my roots here back over 400 years, so we don't get very far. But uh, I grew up in wow. Pasadena, Maryland, uh, just south of Baltimore. Um, yeah, what I wanted to be when I grow up, I I have trouble remembering that. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I, I I always I did so many things. I was in 4-H and everything, so I kind of got into plants and such, and I became a landscape architect. Went to school for it, and that's what I do now. Oh, cool! We got to talk later. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got to talk later, and it's not what you think. No, I don't want you to come. No. Yeah, yes, I do want you to come up here and landscape my house, but I, we'll talk later. Um, when did uh, when did pipe smoking come into your life? Um, well, it was I mean, pipe smoking was probably about you know, four and a half years ago. Uh, really, wasn't a whole lot. Um, I, I got into this. There's a lot of other pipe makers I've talked to. You know, got into pipe smoking and got a kid got into it that way i kind of went into it the opposite way and i did a lot of woodworking uh wood turning uh as it were mainly and saw some other people who were doing wood turning and i think um kurt hewn was one of the first people that i saw pipes that he had made on another forum that we were on and it looked cool uh, you know, I'm a, a self-confessed wood geek, and I like <laughs> all kinds of all kinds of woods, and so I tried it, and that was that was that. Uh, four and a half years ago, I made my first pipe, and you know, it, it's taken off from there. Uh, more recently, it's taken off even more. So, now, do you actually do you smoke? Yes. Okay. Good. Well, uh, yeah, that, that was. <laughs> Let's get the stupid question out of the way first. Um, and that's that's one of the weird things. I made a pipe before I ever smoked a pipe. <laughs> wow. So it, 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 I kind of backed into it, um, you know, partly because of, of family reasons and partly I, I say that my grandfather, who got me into pipe or uh, woodworking, I say that he inspired me to do woodworking. He actually died of uh, cancer because of smoking. Um, so that was kind of a big turnoff. But again, it was cigars and cigarettes um, and inhaling where pipes you don't. So yeah, and one pipe, a, one pipe a day or a pipe every other day is not going to do anything really to you. Not that I'm a doctor. Oh wait, no, I'm a doctor of pipes. Um, but did, with your with your long history in the Maryland area, did you have anybody in the family that was in the tobacco growing side of it? Um, yes, a long time ago, actually. The the first, and it, I forget exactly. It's through my uh, my grandfather's side. Actually, the first uh, immigrant over here came over from England and worked on a tobacco farm. That was where he, he came over here and was employed when they first started. So I learned that 
a few years ago, and it was kind of cool to think that, you know, back when Maryland really did have a big tobacco industry, um, you know, that my family was part of that. I haven't had time to dig into it more, but uh, maybe one of these days. So somewhere back there, there was some, uh, there was was Thompson Tobacco, now there's Thompson Pipes. I'd like to think so, yeah. (laughs) What is what is it about wood that that just gets you all geeky? Have you figured it out yet? It's I. It's tough to say. the The difference in in textures, in grain, and color, and the variation from one piece. I mean, you can cut boards out of a single tree, or um, you know, my favorite thing is going around and grabbing whatever random bushes people are cutting down and take some pieces out of that just to see what the wood looks like because i mean i've taken pieces out of my a bush in my front yard and the wood is almost neon yellow huh. you don't find that anywhere and you know it's just it, it's everywhere around us the, the 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 textures when you can you know really look at it and, and get in to see what's going on in that are are infinite and I don't know, some, for some reason that really intrigues me um, to do that. You know, when you can put that on a pipe, you know, and hold it for the, you know, if you can sit down, relax, and hold that and, and actually be able to look at it and admire it speaks to me, shall we say. Yeah, it's a, it's a little piece of furniture that you get to hold and touch and yeah. play with. Uh, so how does a how do you go about learning how to make a pipe if you've never really smoked one or didn't have any real exposure to them? Uh, well, I started by I found the uh, Pipe Makers Forum online, and I again doing woodworking, wood turning. Have had a lot of the tools and you know, knew how to use them, so there was. I was ahead on the curve on that part. So, but getting there and finding out, you know, typical drilling sizes and what tools you use, you know, when I when I looked at what I had and what I needed, really all I needed was a, you know, a piece of Delrin and reshape a, a drill bit that I had, and I had all the tools that I wanted to make. So, you know, the hard part, getting all the tools and 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 the know-how was already kind of done for me so <laughs> i tried it <laughs> then you just have to add you had to have the right kind of the, the right materials to start making them yeah well i mean my first pipe wasn't out of necessarily the right materials i had you know acrylic for a stem but the bowl was osage orange because <laughs> i had it and it was free <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so. It wasn't long until I got some briar and, and you know could use that and make a, a legitimate pipe, but uh, yeah, I still have that original one. So, so what was the uh, I guess what was the hardest part for you to get a handle on when you were first turning pipes? The getting the proportions, and I, I still struggle with this. The proportions between the different parts, the the bowl, the shank, the stem, and and getting everything to work together and not look lopsided. Uh, my first pipe was 
had way too much meat left on it, and the stem was too long, and you know it was all kinds of things that I would I learned not to do now. But it's just it, the easy part is the engineering. You can go out there and start somewhere, and, and then you have to experience it. The hard part is the the art, the the form of it, and and getting the right pipe out of the piece of wood that. It, it, it sounds a little trite because you hear some people say the, the pipe that that piece of wood wants to be, but that kind of is how it is. You, you use the grain of the wood to inform what shape of pipe is going to come out of it so that it's not just the shape you see, it's not just the grain you see, but they work together to, to be a, a whole composition. And getting them all work together is, is still one of the hardest parts that, that I really try to get through my pipes. You start working on that block and all of a sudden you come up on something yellow and you think, uh-oh, somebody peed there. <laughs> well, I hope they wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. I I'm, I'm, hope that's not part of the uh, the briar curing process for, <laughs> for where I get the, <laughs> the blocks, but who knows? It's not Mexican leather. Um, no. Which used to be cured with urine in the old days. Uh, yeah. What was what? So when you're when you're starting out, what was the uh, what was the easiest part for you to get a hold of? I guess it, I mean I don't know that any of it was easy per se. I mean the easiest thing was, was they already knew how to learn use the tools. Um, a lot of what I started out with were classic shapes, you know, symmetrical bowls, and everything, and using my wood lathe and getting the you know the, the shape mostly there on the lathe because it was round was, you know, almost second nature to me. Um, turning a lopsided piece of wood, usually they were the ones I turned were totally round. Whacked my knuckles a few extra times that I wasn't used to and, and snapped <laughs> off a few shanks when I didn't mean to, but <laughs> you know, you, you get used to that stuff. Yeah, I always try to remind people the price you're paying for the pipe also includes also includes the pipes that were destroyed in manufacturing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the cost of experience, I guess. Uh, the sacrificial bits of briar. <laughs> yeah, I've had a few of those. Is there a shape of a pipe right now that is still giving you fits or you're not as happy with how you're doing it? The, uh, the Fugu Blowfish has been my, uh, I, I guess, not that it's been giving me fits, but it's been very intimidating to me. Um, I actually am trying to finish my first one, and I think it came out, well, should I say, my first finished one. And I think it's coming out pretty good. But the, getting all the the curves and the lines, and the, there's nothing straight on those pipes. <laughs> and uh, so just getting the the flow through that that doesn't look disjointed or, or off balance. Um, plus that shape of pipe, I, the most of the time I will drill before shaping. It's one of those schools of thoughts that comes from. Wood turning, that's what I'm used to, and that's what I gravitate towards because it's easier for me. With those, you almost have to shape first to get the, the look of it the way that it, it really should be because it depends so much on the grain. So that was, again, intimidating for me to, to say, 
get the grain there and be able to drill it when, like I said, nothing's flat, <laughs> you know, and, and hold it in your the, the holding the piece of wood in your hand when you're drilling, you know, pushing it on the drill bit, spinning at hundreds of, you know, RPMs is a little intimidating still. Yeah, it's okay. You got 10 fingers. You don't need them all, do you? Uh, I'm kind of attached to them. Oh, okay. So I'd like to keep them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about wood all different flavors of wood so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute my name is shane ireland and i'm the pipe manager at smokingpipes.com it's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world we take collecting seriously so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers when you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at one 888 366-0345 and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, Jason Thompson and on your website, which the the website is, uh, I, I like how you, uh, you you made it very hard to find. It's jlthompsonpipes.com, and the Thompsons with two O's, no E in there. Uh, you talk about using Morta olive wood, strawberry briar, and uh, regular briar. I'm, I'm particularly interested in the strawberry, because I don't think we've had anybody really talk about it, but or it's been a while, is it actually strawberry wood, or is it a different variation of briar? It's, you could think of it as kind of a, a cousin in the plant world to briar. Um, it's, I, I don't know the Latin name, and, and bad landscape architect of me, I should know that. But um, <clears throat> it, it's, it, it's, it's easy, it's, br it's briarus strawberryus. <laughs> yeah, I think you're on to something there. Yeah. It's going to make me look it up as soon as I get done here, but, you know. <laughs> um, so basically, it's it's a very similar wood. Uh, as I understand, it gets its name strawberry wood or strawberry tree from the shape, the, the fruit that it uh, produces on the tree. It looks similar to a strawberry, but obviously it grows on a tree, not on a, a plant along the ground like real strawberries. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a really interesting wood to use um, in that it's it's a little bit lighter, it's a little bit softer than briar. Um, yeah, but it blasts. Uh, the grain is is a bit more swirly, and it blasts really deep and really detailed um, a whole lot easier. And because the the grain swirls more than briar typically does, it gets a, a really neat um, 
texture to it, it visually as well as uh, as tactile. When, you, when you're holding that, it it just feels a little bit different. It's not as not as smooth as a briar blast. It's a little bit crispier and uh, a little bit different. So, does it taste different to smoke? Not that I've heard. Um, it might be a little bit sweeter, but again, it's just like briar or morta that after the first few bowls, it's really not any different once you start forming a cake in it. Um, Do you need to be more delicate with it when you're smoking it because it is a lighter wood and maybe a little more, I don't know, less dense? Uh, it's less dense. I don't think, from what I've heard, I don't, um, and I haven't smoked one long enough to, to know for sure. I haven't had one burn out on me. Um, but it doesn't really, I mean, maybe at the beginning you need to be a little bit more careful because it might burn away too much if you smoke too fast. But once you've got the cake um, or like my pipes, if it's uh, bowl coated, you've got some insurance there and you should be ready to go from, uh, you know, without a problem. It's a, depending on where it is, the, the uh, strawberry briar that I use is, is from the, root ball the same as as regular briar is and you know growing under the ground it's a, a bit more used to that it grows in the same area as briar which is uh you know arid and you know briar itself is, is very fire resistant so being a close cousin i find it, it does the same thing it's, it's the real difference is the the weight of it the pipes are a little bit lighter and and the texture that you get on it when you blast it how do you uh, how do you mark or grade or stamp your pipes? Um, well, I haven't started grading them yet. It's, it's on the horizon. Once they get good enough to say I'm I'm making high grade pipes. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, right now, uh, actually, I found I get mine laser engraved. That started um, when I was at Briar Lab, but I have a a local engraver now, um, and the mark on there is, it almost looks like a Chinese character in the middle, but it's actually a, an overlay of my initials, JLT, uh, trying to keep with a theme here, probably. <laughs> um, and then, at least right now, um, there's a, an oval around that that says JL Thompson on one side and USA on the other. And each one is marked with a two-digit date and a two-digit uh, number, um, which just basically is how many pipes I've made that year. It's just numerical uh, right now. But you can you can trace the date and what pipe that was that I finished that year. So. Now, being that you're part-time because you've got a full-time job, and I'm, a, and I'm just going to assume you have a life besides work and pipe making, uh, how, yeah, many, how many pipes a year do you think you can make, and uh, where do they start out at price-wise? Um, I'm trying, last year I made 24 pipes. I'm trying to push that up past 30 this year. Um, that's probably about as many as I'm going to be able to do is right around 30 a year. Um, pushing with that. And right now my pipes, they generally start around $250 for, you know, a blast, pretty standard, um, classic shape. And, 
you know, goes up from there. Uh, right now I'm trying some more fun stuff for me, some more out there shapes, <laughs> but they take time. You know, there's odd angles and lines and everything that, that take longer hand sand. So hopefully people like them enough to appreciate the time that went into the there, there's a lot of sacrificial chunks of wood in order to figure out a shape. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of reminds me, there was a, uh, you did what you call a curvy cherry wood, and you can see a picture of it on his website uh, that I actually picked up in, uh, <laughs> I picked it up, stuck my finger in the bowl in uh, Columbus, <laughs> and then went back the next day and found out it was gone. And then... Late last week, I was thumbing through YouTube, and I can't remember the guy, but he said he saw that curvy little cherry wood thing and went back to your table, and it was gone. So apparently, um, that little curvy cherry wood caught two people's eyes, and then the third person got it. So, <laughs> so yeah. maybe you found a shape. Yeah, the, the, yeah, and I I need to find another block to or some more blocks to make some more of those. That one was one of my first. Uh, tries at a, a less than traditional shape, I guess a, a, a modification of a, a somewhat traditional shape. And yeah, the wood cooperated with me on that. So I will be doing that again. Yeah. Well, I was glad somebody else got it cause I really didn't have the budget for a new pipe. So, um, <laughs> happy it went away. Uh, but it does bring me to a whole nother thing because you capped the the shank with a ring of Tasmanian eucalyptus burl. Uh, right now, is this the wood geek or the archi- the landscape architect geek, or is it both geeks that say, um, you know, we can put some really weird woods on the end? That's definitely the wood geek. Um, yeah, I I say that I I used to turn pens, and I had a. I had a collection of probably over a thousand pen blanks um, to choose from. Um, I've narrowed that down, but I've still probably got somewhere around 150 to 200 different species of wood in my my stash um, downstairs in varying shapes, sizes, colors, figures. Um, so, uh, if there's one thing that I hoard, it's it's wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, there you've got some spalted hackberry, uh, blue yep. blue spalted hackberry, not the not your regular spalted hackberry. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm just making this up. But spalted hackberry well, is a wood. Yes, I mean hackberry is a tree. It's actually probably native to your area as well as mine. Um, and the the spalting is basically a piece fell on the ground or started to rot and decay and it, it gets some uh, black or in this case it actually had a yellow line through it and and so it, it basically more interesting hackberry itself is a pretty plain wood but when you start putting all these squiggly black lines and everything through it it looks cool and it was blue because it was stabilized um, that's something I learned to do when I was making pens and other such stuff is use a, a plastic resin to impregnate that wood. That one just happened to be dyed blue, you know, so it basically sucks out all the air and puts plastic back in its, its place and you 
you heat it up and it solidifies and you know it it can be colorful and it can actually make a lot of unusable wood usable and it could be absolutely beautiful but you know falls apart in your hands and you can't do anything with that so this is a way to to reclaim some of that and, and make it make it work so you mean besides the fact that i just learned something which yeah, it's hard for me to do anymore because I know everything I know. <laughs> uh, spalted just means that it's a piece of wood that fell on the ground and kind of died? Yeah, it, it takes time, you know, and if it goes too far, it's basically, you know, you go past spotted, you get to rotted. Or it's not spotted, spalted, sorry. Um, <laughs> wow. And, uh, it's a you know there there are people out there that do it intentionally and have found a way to control it. I just luck into finding the pieces and and do what I think looks cool with them. Yeah, and I mean you're goofing. You're I don't want to, well you're goofing around. Um, you're goofing around or playing around with a whole bunch of different woods and different accents and materials that I've never seen, including you've done some stuff with turquoise in the past. Yeah, that's uh, um, the wood that I like using it in most because the wood has a lot of character. It's another Australian wood. It's called white top burl, and it has natural um, gum pockets in it, you know, voids in the wood. It's dry, it's stable, but it just happens to be a nice brown to counteract um, powdered, powdered turquoise that I fill in with those and glue them in there and... You know, I tried it once, and actually I've tried it a few times now, and that's one, one kind of pipe that I can't seem to keep around very well. So I'm working on those now, so hopefully we'll get that, I'll get that done for the Kansas City show coming up. Yeah, and then, you know, you reminded me about the Kansas City show, because if I understand correctly, didn't you win one of the entries last year into the, into the, uh, the what is it the pipe yeah, maker the, set the the carver's contest set yeah, yeah. that was the uh the author shape yeah that was a total surprise um i you know i entered it was my first year entering that's one reason it was a total surprise and i found out and i think i scared my kids because i yelled so that, <laughs> it was it, you know it, it was it was huge you know it, it was not it was neat because it kind of proved to me that you know, I knew I made a nice pipe, but I didn't actually think I made that good of a pipe, but apparently I did. Yeah, so, so for for those of you that don't know, each year at the Kansas City Pipe Show, they come up with a shape or an idea of a pipe, and then you as, you know, uh, each pipe maker is open to enter one pipe into this contest. And in fact, they even charge you, what, 20 bucks for the shipping or something like that? Yeah. And yeah, $20 for an entry. Yeah, and within the within the confines of what they've requested, they pick out the best seven pipes that represent that, and there could be anywhere between 30 to 50 pipes that they go through. And so, yeah, to, to get into that, and especially on the first shot, that's a, that's a pretty high target to hit on the first try. Yeah. That's why I said it, it was not expected, and, but much appreciated. So, uh, 
real quick before we finish this up, is there a wood or an adornment that you've that you really want to try on a pipe or with a pipe and you haven't done it yet? Um, yeah, there's a few. I've got a, a list that I'm trying to figure out the best way to do that. Um, some of those, the, the long shank, like you say, with the blue hackberry was trying something out. Um, I know some other people have, have done it with like a, a polymerized mammoth tusk or pine needles. Um, um, I think some European makers are doing that, but I have some other pieces of, of wood that they're not stabilized, but they're, they're cast in a resin and you know, just the, the colors and the textures from there, um, you know, cracked wood, you know, things thrown up. So you get the wood plus, you know, kind of an acrylic, colorful, swirly, pearlescent look to it as well that I want to I wanna use. And I will be here soon. I just haven't gotten there yet. Uh, too many ideas going through my head. So you're just having all kinds of fun, aren't you? Yeah, that's why I'm keeping on doing this. That's why I kind of <laughs> stuck with pipe making and didn't go back to making other stuff. As long, yeah. as long as that, as long as that full-time day job of architecture, landscape, and all that stuff doesn't get in the way. Yeah, well, you know, my 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 wife does like that. The they ha I have a paycheck there, <laughs> and it comes in steadily. <laughs> so uh, that that is a perfect place for us to uh, jump right into the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answers whatever comes to your mind are you ready all right <laughs> what is your favorite pipe my favorite pipe um it's actually a pipe right now my current favorite is a pipe that was gifted to me by uh, another local pipe maker here walt hettinger um and it's it's a old time it almost looks like a, a 70s quasi 70s freehand Dublin but it's modernized and uh, it just it's really the aesthetic is really cool on it um, you know, I appreciate that yeah he gifted me that for for letting him use my shop and coming over and, and doing a few things on it so it's uh it's one that I go to it smokes great as well I mean <laughs> you can smoke anything in it all day long so Speaking of what's in it, what is your favorite tobacco? Oh, my favorite. I'm going to, I found this one at the Columbus show last year. Uh, McCraney's Cellar Series Old Syrian. Um, it was a, a pin that I found on a table and I said, I'll try it. And unfortunately, it's the thing that started me down my hoarding of all tobaccos with Syrian Latakia in them. Because, uh, <laughs> Something about it just resonates with me, and, and it's getting expensive. <laughs> and there goes the money for fun wood. Uh, yeah. What is your favorite drink? Um, I like a good bourbon uh, on the rocks. My, if I had to pick one, I'd say Woodford Reserve Double Oaked has probably been the best I've had so far. Yeah, so. not a bad choice. Um, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, movie. 
And the final question, and the answer cannot be winning the Kansas City Pipe Show Carver Contest, uh, but do you have a favorite pipe smoking-related memory that we have not talked about? Um, yeah, well, I, fortunately, I have a, a good friend, uh, Mo, who let, was very gracious and let me smoke a one bowl of a 91-year-old Virginia tobacco um, that was absolutely sublime. It was as mellow and smooth as it could ever be, but flavorful. And to, I was there when he opened the, the cutter top tin and heard the air escape, and it was just like it was the day that it was put in there. It was yeah, just one of those, I'll never probably never be able to experience that again, and it was it was just great. Yeah, I'm not allowed to slobber on the equipment here. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, well, I'll finish this up by saying again: the website is JL Thompson T H O M P S O N Pipes dot com. Uh, whatever you're doing, keep doing it, and I'll uh, and I'll see you at a pipe show. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back. Hey, do make sure and uh, check out all of uh, Jason's pipes, and you know, we'll see if we can uh, see if we can keep him busy finding more strange woods to put on pipes. All right, for music, we are going back to the Newsboys, and this goes back uh, well, 2011, to an album called Born Again. And the song is called When the Boys Light Up. But if you listen to the music in there, it's got some really cool stuff. We'll flash back to some 70s progressive rock keyboards and some guitar. And uh, it's uh, anyway, it's really cool. It's the Newsboys When the Boys Light Up. Like a daytime drama, up and down like a yo-yo mama. Say there's gonna be days like this, cause light and dark don't coexist. How you gonna see through this fog? How you gonna get back on course? You ain't never gonna feel the force if you don't connect to a power source. Cause you've been swapping out day for night, but you see a lamp light burning bright. If you pick your flip flops off the porch, we're passing you the torch. Yeah. 
That's uh, Jody Davis on guitar. What's this? A letter for me. In the mailbag from uh, last week, uh, David writes, Great show, but ye old sign with a Victorian person? 17th century, most likely. Okay, whatever. I don't care. 18th century, 17th century. It's all a long damn time ago. Um, But he's probably right. And Newbroom says, congratulations on your efforts of five years, Brian and company. I enjoyed the discussion with Mr. Roan immensely. I like the music, the rant, ah, uh, the rant, rant time with Brian Levine. The comments that leak out from Brian in many a program alluding to stereotypes of beleaguered pipers, not least of which is the inclusion of this segment. If you must rant, why not do it right in the beginning? Then we can all cool down and unwind with a bowl and the discussion rather than leave us with a nasty taste at the end. Well, uh, let me answer that. (laughs) It's kind of like a bowl of tobacco. When you get down to the bottom, if you go too far, it just gets nasty. Uh, No, but I'll try to work in some more raves. Haven't done it a lot in a while. Then he goes on to write, uh, I wonder what aromatic Latakia blend we should get for Brian. He jests, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, chocolate cherry double Latakia bomb with a twist. There you go. Uh, let's see. And here's a name that I can't... Well, this is a good one. Anna Tandroskagen. That's the closest I'm going to get. Writes, uh, I didn't manage to find the podcast RSS subscription button on the webpage anywhere. Hope that doesn't make me into a dead snake handler. 
but found it easily enough on the iTunes store. Episodes are downloading as I listen to the accidentally double-clicked on episode 8. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, my advice to those of you that are new to the show, uh, the the first 20 shows or so, just take them easy. <laughs> Don't listen to them all in a row. You don't have to listen to them all in a row. We've tried to keep the show to where it's not real time-sensitive and topical, so, you know, stay up to date with the new stuff and then work your way through the back catalog. And uh, somebody who doesn't have to work through the back catalog is Casey Ghost, and Dan writes, a fine episode. The original yield signed by Dunhill was a sublime tobacco. It will be very difficult for another manufacturer to match it, but I guess they're fortunate that today they are not asked to do that. The artwork of the original is quite lovely. Let's hope the new maker at least tries to copy that. Uh, Neil Archer Roan continues to shine as a guest. He really published some wonderful photos of pipes on his blog. It's a real shame that he doesn't blog anymore. A rant about a furniture store is like shooting fish in a barrel. May as well indict the whole furniture industry. Yeah, if that's how the whole furniture industry is, boy, I feel sorry when if, if Amazon buys a furniture company and they figure out how to do customer service and delivery of you know furniture, all these big chains are in deep doo-doo. Deep, deep, deep doo-doo. Uh, and uh, because we've got a few minutes and a follow-up, they reached out to me on Twitter and said that they'd be happy to help. I said, good, call me. They said, no, we can't call you. We can only do it in writing. I said, forget it. I'm not doing it in writing. You want a written report on how to improve your business from me? Fine. I'll give you eight hours of my time. You give me a, a thousand bucks, and I'll tell you exactly what you need to do to improve it. You want it in writing? There you go. Cost you a thousand bucks. And it'll be sharp. <laughs> It'll be painful. Um, if you have any comments, questions, ideas, whatever, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or go on to Pipes Magazine and comment right there on the radio show page. You can follow the radio show on, uh, on uh, Facebook at the Pipes Magazine radio show, and you can follow me there. Uh, if you're going to be in Kansas City for the Pipe Show, I will be there next weekend. That's uh, the 23rd, 24th. Did I get those dates right? Let's see. While I mumble about something else, I'll pull that up real quick. Uh, that is the 23rd and 24th. And then don't forget upcoming the uh, first annual Texas Pipe Show in uh, the greater Dallas-Fort Worth area is Saturday, October 7th. And then the last pipe show of the season is November 4th and 5th, and that's in Las Vegas at the Palace Station Hotel, Casino, Bingo Parlor, and a place that has a really good pie counter. And uh, I like pie. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting a piece of pie when I get there. All right. Uh, also, iTunes reviews would be great. It's been a while since we've had them. And if you can just pop on iTunes and leave us a quick review, that would be much, much appreciated. And in just a moment, rave time. Cowboy. Cowboy. Thank you. 
Rabbit Air, R-A-B-B-I-T-A-I-R. So I'm setting up my uh, my smoking room office, and I've got the exhaust fan put in. I'm still tweaking that before anybody gets any pictures of it, but I bought a Rabbit Air air cleaner also for the office, and you may hear it whirring in the background right now. Uh, I'd been familiar with the Rabbit Air Company for the past 10 years because they've been a regular exhibitor at the annual trade show each summer. And I finally decided, you know what, in addition to the exhaust fan, because there may be times when I don't want to run that, I'm going to buy one of these Rabbit Airs. Each Rabbit Air is not cheap. They start out around uh, 400 bucks. But I am so impressed with what they've done so far. I've had them. I've had it here for three weeks. Uh, it comes with a seven-stage or six-stage filter system, and one of the stages is customizable for what you want to do. If you're looking to remove uh, pollen or pet dander because you have allergies, they've got an individual filter for that. For the one I got, I got it for odor to remove the smoke smell so that it doesn't smell stale in here after smoking. Uh, the rabbit airs, the filters themselves, are good for one year. One solid year of running it continuously. They are all LED and uh, low energy cost uh, motors. They've done a great job of packaging it. It is wall mountable floor mountable all i can say is so far i'm absolutely thrilled with it and it's even got a cool little mood light on it you can get them with uh, snoopy stuff or art stuff on the front of them uh, if you're looking for the best solution to clean the air in your smoking room or just to clean the air in your house a rabbit air will handle about seven eight hundred square feet so there you go R-A-B-B-I-T-A-I-R. You can uh, look them up on their website. Tell them that uh, I sent you. They may spit at you or they may not. But uh, either way, it'll be, uh, uh, it'll, it'll be money well spent on a top quality product that you can uh, enjoy for a long time. And uh, the people that live with you may not complain too much. All right. There you go. I want to thank you all for uh, your patience and uh, understanding as we get the show out late next week. We'll be back to Tuesday hopefully. Uh, can't guarantee that because we don't know what might pop up, but uh, we'll try our best to be back up on Tuesday. I want to say thank you to Jason for joining me, and until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. And one time at Bandcamp?